Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of Wilbur Talks FPL, where we talk everything FPL and the Premier League in general. It's been a bit of a um, straight, well, a bad week for me and a good week for some other members of the podcast. So it's going to be an eventful pod, I think, this one. And we were just mentioning if we had a podcast after the um, United against Liverpool game, we would have had some top quality content. So I'm um, hoping we can provide similar throughout this podcast but we'll see how it goes especially it might be a tough one for me but we'll see we're welcoming back charlie and sam again as always appreciate them tune well i was gonna say tuning in then joining us how are you both yeah all, all good here thanks yeah very well thanks mate good stuff i think we're just gonna have to dive into it aren't we really i think we'll leave the worst for last we'll let charlie start with the first game of the week were you impressed with Arsenal's result, Charlie? Uh, yeah, I, I think I have to be, really. It was, um, I don't often get to say this, but it was quite a comfortable win, really. Um, Villa didn't, didn't particularly offer, uh, offer up much um, against Arsenal. I think even Dean Smith, after the game, came out and said they were expecting us to, to come out strong, and, and it doesn't always happen, but... Um, yeah, it just did seem to. We seemed to carry ahead the momentum of, of scoring an equaliser in the previous game, a late equaliser. Um, and yeah, just a, a strong strong game all around. I think, obviously, Smith Rowe grabbed a lot of the highlights. I think he, he played really, really well, despite the fact that actually I, f- I feel like his his goal, and I don't know if this is just my, my fantasy head speaking a little bit, but his goal was quite fortunate because it got a massive deflection and probably would have been saved if it went the in the direction it was meant to be um and and Saka missed the one-on-one chance so that that kind of hurt me from a fancy perspective but in terms of the the actual performance yeah just I think every single player it just it just feels so good to have everyone sort of settled now but still with allowing that freedom for good performances um sort of presenting the opportunity to start which hasn't again hasn't always been the case under Arsenal and under previous managers for example it's been sort of your your old players that just get every game week in, week out, regardless of how they're playing. Whereas now it just feels like if you play well, you can stay on the team. And that's what like Saka and Smith Rowe have shown. Lacazette had shown that as well, coming off the bench and playing really well the game before. Arteta came out and said he's, he knew from that moment he was going to start Lacazette in this game. And again, had a, he had a really good game as well. So yeah, re- really good all round. Really pleased with, with how things are progressing. Um, still just kind of taking it with a bit of a pinch of salt of... The fact that these are are kind of easier run of games, so I've I've got to kind of be prepared for once we start getting into the tougher games again. It's that that's when you kind of really understand how settled this team is and and how they actually look. But yeah, it, it's we 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 haven't always put away some of those teams that we should be beating. So it's nice to see us be quite confident and comfortable on the ball. Um. So yeah, and and for that to happen on a Friday night as well is is a great start to the weekend for me. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wasn't fully paying attention to the game because I was in the pub, but every time I seemed to look at it, it they seemed to be attacking. So it, it seemed pretty positive, from, obviously, from the result and the way they seemed to be playing as well. Even, even Was it Party even got the first goal, wasn't they? I wasn't expecting that as a goal scorer for the first one. But Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a bit of an on-running um, sort of inside joke about Party because he keeps trying to shoot from distance and just mm-hmm. absolutely skying it over the bar, but... Yeah, it was from a from a set piece, and actually he he seemed 
I don't know if it was just this game because I've not really noticed it before, but he, he seemed to be on the end of all of our corners. So I don't know whether that's a deliberate tactic to aim for him because he seemed, at least in this game, to, to be winning balls in the air a lot. And that's how his goal came from. It came from a corner and he scored a header direct from the corner. So, um, yeah, not often you're going to see that. And he's not someone I'd be advising anyone to get in. But, um, yeah, it's good to see uh, him finally get a goal because I don't think he scored before for us. Yeah, you mentioned a lucky goal from an Englishman as well. I'm pretty sure he wasn't the luckiest Englishman to score a goal this week. So <laughs> even luckier off was basically the backside on it, basically from Foden. But if, if you're a Foden owner, you'll be absolutely loving that. I couldn't believe that when I saw the highlights. I was like, how did Foden get a goal out of this one? But fair play, that's how the look goes, isn't it? I'm going to give Sam's moment in the sun here. I'm going to get it out of the way here. You can discuss the result for your team, Sam, because I don't think I want to touch on that result particularly. Yeah, no worries. I'll try and be as tactful as possible. <laughs> it, it, was, um, it was one of the greatest results in Liverpool's history. There's, there's just no getting around it, to be honest, to go to Old Trafford and be as good as we were and Manchester United were awful. Um, one of the worst United performances I've ever seen in the first half. And this, we've been saying for weeks, um, yeah, so we don't want to bang on too much about the obvious, um, but that club has got way, way bigger problems throughout the club, not just Solskjaer um, at, at the moment. Um, but yeah, unbelievable performance from Liverpool. Back to their best, for sure. Um, most, uh, I, was, I was astounded when I saw the team sheet. Actually, I was sat in the pub with a friend of mine and I uh, said to him when the team came out, you know, I was a little bit concerned with no Fabinho in midfield in particular. Um, obviously, Mane on the bench wasn't that wasn't the biggest concern because Mane has exactly been in lightning form, um, and you know Jota ha- had been in decent form before he picked up a knock, so that wasn't too bad. Um, and then brilliant performance from Canate at the back coming in as well, um, just really showing for the first time that we've got some strength and depth, um, which is which is reassuring to see. Shame to see. Uh, Milner got off injured um, because as much as you know, we have better quality players in amongst the team, he's just super reliable, super versatile. Um, and Naby Keita as well getting taken off after what was just a stupid challenge for Pogba. Um, I, actually, I actually got a, a little uh, superstition that that, that, that that was intended to just get himself off the pitch because he didn't want to be part of it. I don't think he even really wanted to be on in the first place. Um, Manchester United have got all kinds of problems. It's where do you even start? Um, it, it, we could almost do a whole podcast on Manchester United's problems. So um, I probably won't open the bag because as soon as you open the bag, you'll be in it forever. Um, but yeah, once again, simply unbelievable performance from Salah again. Um, just really cementing that at this moment in time, he's probably the best player on the planet. And whatever you've got to do, Liverpool, just. Give him the paper. Let him write whatever numbers he wants on it. Salah's at the wheel, baby. Liverpool are back. Sounds better than Ollie at the wheel. Not going to lie there. But yeah, fair play to Liverpool. They did everything you'd expect of them really in that game and very, well, effective finishing, shall we put it. But, well, you can only beat the team that's in front of you, but that was an embarrassing team to play against. But won't dwell on that one for too long. Somehow Ollie. Looks like he's going to be getting the Spurs game. And as Sam said, I think we've discussed it a bit on the other podcasts as well. Won't go too much into detail. We might have to do a special at one point. But yeah, just an utter shambles at the minute. And 
even Ferguson back in Ollie today, even when you saw his face on Sunday night. Well, it's like your face wasn't backing in there, Fergie, but that's a different matter. And so we had the downside of the result and then the downside of you both having Salah captain and most of the rest of the community having Salah captain, while I had Havertz captain, so FPL in the mud as well. So absolutely lovely Sunday night that one was. But yeah, like I said, fair play. Liverpool did everything they needed to in that game. As Sam said, when I saw the lineup, I thought probably three of your main starters, like you said, Matip, Fabinho, and oh yeah, it was Mane as well, wasn't it? When I saw that, I was like, maybe yeah. it's a slight chance. But I think we had one chance right at the start from Bruno, and then I, I was like, as soon as we missed that, that was like probably the one only chance we were ever going to get to be ahead and go with it. But then the shambles afterwards. But yeah, like I said fair play. It's definitely a free free team title race there's definitely not a fourth in it <laughs> i'm not sure there was for many weeks to be fair but we did discuss it early on that we, we could have a shot but definitely out of it now and we'll see what happy happens with ollie and hopefully some others in the near future but i'm sure that won't happen but we'll see yeah moving on well kind of linked to where my captaincy went badly this week uh, my thing, I'll go through my thinking here with my captaincy habits here that like I was looking at the fixtures and I was targeting the fixture in particular and I don't think particularly I got the fixture wrong predicting that Chelsea would be the high scoring game obviously I was hoping United wouldn't do as badly as they did so I think my thinking with targeting that Chelsea fixture was right and then typically I chose the one Chelsea player that didn't return everyone else on the pitch returned and Havertz didn't, which is just unbelievable. Could have even gone Hudson Adoy and got a better return, but I'm sure people didn't enjoy that one. But yeah, what did you make of Chelsea, Sam? If they're going to be one of your main title challenges, shall we put it? So it's quite interesting, actually. I was, I was listening to last week's pod back. I, I tend to sort of just do that at the end of the week or, mm. or the day before we record again, um, just to see, see what it was like. Um, and I think we were all, certainly you and I were, were in agreement that Chelsea don't really tend to kick on and score more than like two or maybe three goals in a game the week before they go on to score seven. So, you know, sometimes we don't really know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, Norwich. Oh man, poor Norwich. What, what have you got to say for, for Norwich other than uh, adios Premier League, all our championship, I think is the uh, is the phrase for them. Um, but yeah, Chelsea, no Lukaku, no Werner, no problem. Uh, goals from everywhere. A pretty impressive hat trick from Mount. Um, chipping in with, with goals from uh, the two fullbacks as well, Chilwell and James. Um, pretty pleased to have stuck Chilwell in at, at the last minute. Um, and then uh, Hudson Odoi getting in amongst the goals for our man Pete as well. And just the, looking at the assists as well, they came from like, such an array of um, players. It's it's hard to say, isn't it? Because Norwich, you know, are, are so poor that um, it 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 could really be anything but credit to Chelsea. You got you can only beat what's in front of you, as we said about the Liverpool game, um, and and uh, they they took their chances and and took them well. And you know, in a title race that is inevitably going to be so so close, it could come down to goal difference. And days like that are only ever going to be a massive plus. Definitely, I think I've got to ask. Um... Charlie's comment on that game as well, thanks to his monstrous hole that he got in that game. What did you make of that one then, Charlie? 
Yeah, obviously, as you're leading to the uh, the Mason Mount hat trick and, and an assist, definitely um, definitely helped my mood for the week mm. or the weekend. Um, and Reese James' goal as well, I have to add. But and, and also just where you, I just was thinking there when you uh, mentioned Will about how you captain Havertz based on on the fixture. I think I also did that, but it was just Salah against United, so um, just wanted to get that in. Um, but no, Chelsea. I, I thought whilst they did look good, I, I think like Sam's kind of already alluded to, Norwich was so bad that Chelsea never really had to get out of second gear for that game. That Chelsea's finishing was was really good, and some of their interplay was was good as well. But yeah, they they just didn't have to really show any any real intent they just kind of easily got their goals but the fact that they did end up scoring seven I think tells tells a lot and yeah like like Sam said I, I don't think before before that game we saw Chelsea as that kind of team that would go on and absolutely put you know put the nail in the coffin for this teams um but th- this app this completely showed that they have that in them even if it is against you know literally the worst team in the league um I, I don't, yeah, I don't even know where you start with Norwich. The, the, I think what probably sums it up is the is I can't even can't remember his name, but the player that got sent off for the second yellow challenge, where he just like f- seemed to forget that he was on a yellow card, and then you see, you can actually see on camera where when his face clicks that he's oh, okay. I've already got a yellow. I'm going to be sent off now. It's that, that just kind of sums up how Norwich have been. It just it feels like completely. I don't know if unprofessional is the right word. That might be might be the wrong wrong choice of phrase, but it, you, you, I think any team, when you're playing in the Premier League, the, the main focus, particularly when you're at that level, is that you've got to try and be be hard to beat, put in some some strong challenges, and, and kind of put your um, put your foot around a little bit. And and it just feels like there's just no fight in that team. I, th- I think it's. You know, obviously, we're all saying they're definitely down, and and it just feels like they completely believe it too. They they've already given up, um, and that's the kind of thing that results in these kind of these kind of games where, arguably, probably the what one of the um, title contenders is is just absolutely smashes them to pieces. So, um, yeah, I I don't think it was necessarily a, an unexpected result, but it was obviously yeah interesting to see Chelsea that that side of Chelsea's um, attack. Yeah, I think that red card especially helped Mount at the end as well, didn't he? Getting a few extra goals after the the yellow, um, double yellow card. So that even made it even better for you. I couldn't believe that penalty when he missed the first one and he got retaken. I was like, when it's your week, it's your week there, Charlie. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in fairness, because I, I had mixed feelings because I know Tim Krull is a really good penalty keeper. Yeah. Obviously, everyone remembers, was it the Euros or maybe the World Cup? It was where, um, didn't they? Yeah, Van, Louis Van Gaal subbed him on just for the penalty shootout, and he, and he won them that penalty shootout. But also, I seem to remember, and I can't I can't remember who it was against, but I think it was this season. The last time he faced a penalty, the exact same thing happened. He he saved it, but he had come off his line, and then it got retaken, and then he conceded. So, whilst he's such a good keeper, I think he he does also have that in him that he he seems to try and get as much edge as he can, usually mentally, which tends to work. But also, he seems to just try and push too far and, and that ends up him coming off the line. So yeah, mixed feelings about that. And I, I fully accept that there there was a lot of luck involved in, in that return from Mason Mount, but ultimately that was, he's, he's in there for the long haul. And then uh, yeah, some repayment after having to miss the, the game before. 
I'll just quickly jump in there. Will, I think we're all in agreement that you were horribly unlucky to not get anything out of Havertz in that game is quite incredible. Um, so, you know, as, uh, as good as it was a return, you know, for Charlie, I think we're all in agreement that it was, uh, it was pretty unlucky to not get anything out of Havertz. Yeah, it was just funny about the end, and then he got sorted in there with like 20 minutes left. I was like, yeah, just get him off at this point. <laughs> it's beyond hope. But yeah. to, to an extent, but I also feel like, and this isn't something we've we've um, put out on the podcast, but in, in our Discord channel, there's something that there was a sort of statistic I saw about striker, Chelsea strikers under Tuchel. And there is a lack of goals there. And it's really interesting to see. And, and I think actually... I don't know whether this is confirmation bias of now that I've been made aware of that stat, I'm starting to see it more or whether it's, it is something. So it's something I want to keep an eye on. But it did feel a lot like Havertz was much more involved in build-up and was never the focal point at the end of the attack. And it looked like Mason Mount and, and Hudson Adoy and that were running on. Um, so it did feel like that. And, and I think we've started to see that a bit from Lukaku before he got injured as well. He seemed to be dropping a bit deeper, kind of, more acting um, as a kind of hold-up player to flick on to other players running in behind. So, yeah, like I say, I don't, and, and I, yeah, I completely agree that you, considering they scored seven, to not get any returns from Havertz is is very unfortunate. But it is something I'm going to be keeping an eye out on, um, and particularly when we start to see, you know, I imagine once Lukaku's back playing, people will start to look at him coming back into their teams. But um, it is something I'm just going to keep an eye out on and, and see how that pans out because, um, yeah, it, it did give me food for thought, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the only time that Chelsea strikers tend to score is when one of the fullbacks goes in the overlap and squares it to them. I think literally on all the goals, the only time Havertz was anywhere near a goal involvement was Reese James's goal where he could have easily squared it to Havertz, but he finished it himself. Apart from that, I don't think he was ever in the position to actually make any return on any of the seven goals typically but that's just how it goes isn't it it's how it goes yeah <laughs> well one of the questions that i'm thinking about for my team and I think, as long as you both aren't going to be biased because i know i think sam's got chillwell and charlie's got reese james and my question would be if i'm looking for a chelsea fullback who would you say would be the best one to be going for at the minute sam well, I mean, last week I wasn't even considering uh, considering Chilwell. And then uh, Alonso played Champions League and I figured Chilwell was probably going to play Premier League. Um, now that Rhys James is back, I think they've got an element of rotation option with Azpilicueta. So it's hard. They're, they are just going to get rotated and you're going to have to get quite fortunate. I still think um, Chilwell at the moment is undroppable. Um, he scored, what, four and four in the league. So he's just basically going to play every Premier League game, I think until something goes a little bit wrong there. So I think if you're specifically looking for a fullback, I would still go Chilwell. If Reese James continues to keep playing and evidently offers that attacking threat as well, then he's got to be considered. But if you were really looking and desperate to bring one in this week, for me, it's probably Chilwell. Yeah, I think to back up that point, Chelsea are playing now in the cup and Reese James and Alonso are playing at fullback. So that kind of yeah. backs up your point as well there. Because I saw before the game that Azbilicueta and Christensen have both got a bit of an injury. But it doesn't seem to be too serious, so they could still come back in and James drop out. So I think, especially for the weekend, Chilwell's a lot more nailed on to start than Reese James would be. Obviously, just looking at that one game week in isolation. 
Are you happy as a, I'm sure you're happy as a James owner, Charlie, after the haul you've just had, but would you say he's the best option currently? I don't know. I, I think I think if I was making a completely fresh choice now, I probably would actually go Chilwell. And the reason being, and, and that's completely on the proviso that you have Lefermento as a backup. Um, because I, I feel like, well, from, from I think we mentioned it last week, but from what we've seen, Chilwell doesn't tend to come on if he's benched and Reese James does. So there's that, whether you consider that a downside or a plus side, probably a downside on, on balance for James in that you, you could be likely to pick up one point is if he doesn't start rather than get your bench player. Whereas Chilwell, you can play Chilwell. If he doesn't play, then you get Livermento off the bench. Um, and, and it, yeah, it is it, Tuchel's known for rotating his fullbacks. So it's just trying to get on the right side of that. And things like the injury news that you mentioned just kind of tweaks things. And I think it can change week by week. I, I I fancy both of them to if they both started consistently I would fancy them both to to match each other. Um so it's just about working out which one of them is going to start and and certainly Aspilicueta seems to now have become more of a right wing back option than he has done before. Previously he's, he's kind of been more locked down in the right center back position. Um but he he seems to have been used and 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 played well at the right wing back as well now. Um so that does offer more of a rotation to to James for sure, but yeah. But so I, I think if I was making the choice completely again today, I probably would choose Chilwell with Livermore as a backup. But I'm I'm by no means disappointed to have James. I still think he'll do well, and yeah, it's just about planning out based on the injuries and press conference news and stuff about trying to lock in who's going to start. I think if you went back like three weeks, like kind of around when people play wild cards, Reese James would have been the obvious one. Obviously, when injury free, because Alonso was in good form, but now it's just completely swung the other way. So it's one to be watch watching out for because you could get a good hot streak from Alonso or anything that comes later on in the season. This will be peaks of form from all the players involved. So it's just like a new pep roulette, isn't it? Fullback roulette from Chelsea instead. Yeah, moving on from them, is there any of the standout results from the weekend you wanted to talk about, Sam? Not really, just a general recognition. There was a fantastic weekend, the Premier League football again, just another example of how the Premier League is quite clearly the the best league, league in the world. Um, shout out to Watford putting the Toffees to bed at, uh, at Goodison. Unfortunately, Townsend didn't live up to the hype there. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, another professional display from City. I think it was last week I said when we were talking about the draft, I felt like City were just showing signs after that Liverpool game of just going on a City run of like 15 wins or something like that. I still am yet to see anything to convince me that that is not in the process of happening. Um, Exciting game between Southampton and Burnley, but nothing crazy. Just uh, goals in almost, uh, well, goals in every game over the course of the weekend and almost every team on the score sheet. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend of football, really. Yeah, I was quite impressed by that City result because I feel like everyone says Brighton have got a really good defence, but you wouldn't have said that watching that game. It was absolutely torn to shreds, really, as you'd expect from like it being against City. But you wouldn't expect Brighton typically to concede four goals. So quite impressive from them. Is there anything else that stood out for you, Charlie? 
Yeah, a couple of on those same points. I think to be fair to Brighton on on in that game, I'm not sure there's many defenses in the league that would have would have mm. been able to keep City out in that game. The the way City were playing in the interplay, I think was was um yeah, I, I, I can't you know maybe one of the top couple of defenses might have might have been able to do better, but I, th- I think Brighton didn't didn't um, embarrass themselves. It was just against a, a much superior side. Um, and yet, I think touching on that Everton Watford game, obviously the fact that Everton just completely capitulated does kind of raise concerns going forward. I think it probably opens them up to a bit of targeting from from an FPL perspective in terms of your attacks playing against Everton. Um, and yeah, Watford must be absolutely, um, absolutely loving that. I mean, to I think were they two 0 down at one point rather. Rather than coming back from two one, so to to bring that back, it was two one. Also for two uh, one, okay. Um, but to bring that back to win that game is 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 sensational, and, and particularly from Josh King as well. I, I've still got good memories of him mm. at Bournemouth and having him in my team and, and him just doing well there. So just to see him because it didn't really work out, and obviously that's him returning to his his club that he was previously at. Never really happened for him at Everton to see to so to see him do it for a, a, technically a, a, a less a less superior team um against them was 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 quite good um i guess i also want to just give another shout out to my man antonio just so <laughs> consistent scoring another goal i i only saw bits of that game it didn't look a particularly great game as the scoreline probably tells you yeah, it wasn't. um but yeah antonio just so consistent again and and that kind of leads me on to the newcastle game as well which actually looks quite was quite a good game quite end to end quite open but I kind of think of Callum Wilson in a similar vein as I do Antonio, maybe just not quite as prolific, but when he is starting, when he's not injured, Wilson tends to get returns. It doesn't tend to be big returns, doesn't usually seem to get hat-tricks or, or braces, but he does seem to, to score fairly regularly. So um, he's certainly someone in my thinking. And, and I think, I don't know what, I don't think they've really kind of, there's not been a lot of rumours or, or confirmed rumours about, about what's happening with the manager situation um, since Bruce has left. So th- there have been a couple of talks about Eddie Howe, which would really be interesting to me because one of that being a, quite an attacking progressive manager, but also with a connection with um, Wilson and Fraser as well, who obviously he managed at Bournemouth and seemed to develop quite a um, sort of partnership with. So yeah, eyes, eyes uh, firmly on Newcastle just to see how things go. I think from an attacking perspective, there's certainly um, assets that they have that I could be interested in if the right sort of if things fall in the right way. Yeah, well, Wilson's definitely one I'd be looking at for a good run of fixtures, and that obviously because of the Newcastle situation, maybe later on in the season if they make any moves in January, like for to make the quality of their team all around a bit better, you could see the best out of him. It's, Definitely one to be looking out for when you're on the right run. And obviously we've had Sam Maxman who's been doing decent this season as well. So I don't think they're the worst. In terms of attack, I'd, you could go for them in a good run of fixtures. I don't think I'd ever be going for their defence. Yeah, And as you touched on as well, Charlie, from the West Ham Spurs game, I thought it was quite funny that Antonio put his foot out in front of Harry Kane to show someone how to finish, which was quite... <laughs> Funny from my point of view, just Antonio just levels above Kane at the minute, but Kane has got the quality to buy it back at some point, but they're just not on it at the minute, Spurs. But 
they could easily get back to form with the next opponent so we'll see on that one <laughs> but yeah i think we will move on to how we all did and i'll let you guys bask in the glory first so sam how did you do in the game we just talk us about your team Oh, it's quite incredible, really, when you get 103 points in a week and you didn't have the highest scoring, uh, highest scoring team in the in the league. So uh, fair play to Mr. Marsh. But uh, yeah, team uh, team was really good. I actually took your points on board last week. Uh, and I'm glad I did about um, putting Mendy in now over Edison. Um, I decided at the last minute to uh, just t move away from the double city defence just because of the sheer level of rotation. Um, that's uh, going to be sort of going on in and around there over the coming weeks, I'd imagine. Just went for the cheap body. I did go for the Mankilo block against Pete, um, so he's rotting on the bench. And Liveramento uh, stepped up to the plate very nicely with a nice return of nine. Uh, Trent, Salah, exceptional returns. Um, Townsend didn't fire. Rafinha is definitely on the block. Um, and it was set to be a Lukaku captaincy until the injury news came through, um, at which point we went for a slightly different makeup of the front three. And I wish I'd stuck to my guts with the front three with Huang. But um, unfortunately, I decided to go for the slightly more sensible option of Jimenez, um, who still got an assist, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Antonio came in. And uh, yeah, a decent balance, plenty of dollar in the bank, um, 103 points over an average of 64 Top of the league, the sun is shining in this part of town. Yeah, definitely, definitely can't complain. Uh, imagine if you had Edison in as well, and then you saw him just randomly take out the Brighton player for no reason. To yeah, away a penalty, yeah. you'd just be so annoyed, wouldn't you, as well? Yeah, 100%. And I'm pretty sure I saw that you're up to 12k in the overall rank, so you can't. Uh, it's quite unbelievable, really. 14.5k overall, um, which is, you know, the highest I've, I think I've ever been. Um, inside the top 5k in England and uh, inside the top 4k Liverpool fans so it's, uh, it's, been, it's been quite some start and we'll do well to keep this up for the whole season but uh, who knows That's just reminded me of an interesting stat that I saw earlier as well that 23 managers in the top 10k don't own Salah which just kind of wow. astounded me astounded me how they're so far up they must be getting their other picks like ridiculously right they must have had, like yeah. a phone and an amount this week to even just get through that week so that was a bit yeah. of a crazy start how they're up there without Salah I still can't believe he's not even 70% owned yet so still over 30% of the game don't own Salah so still a bit of price we could get out of him I think he's gone up by 0.4 million as well since the start of the season so keep rising so as Sam mentioned Charlie you actually outscored Sam this week how was your week yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah, um, so it ended on 112 points, which yeah, pretty pretty crazy. I don't think I've ever scored that in a single game week before. Um, so obviously, really pleased with that. It didn't get off to the best of starts with my two Arsenal players, um, Saka, who I mentioned, kind of missed a one-on-one -on -one chance, which probably should put should have put away. Um, and Ramsdale conceding that, that that goal, which was a bit of a fluke, goal, to be fair. So I'm. I'm I think on another day I could have got returns from them, so I'm not massively disappointed in general. And obviously I, I can't really be disappointed based on on the final result. Um, I had yeah Trent and James who both got double figures. Um, I did go for the double city defence, and the it, 
was a very late decision on my wildcard last week between Diaz or Foden and I ended up going Diaz on balance and it just really is not paying off at the moment. So there is a potential move I'm looking at probably longer term, not in the short term, but of of trying to reverse that and, and bring Foden in and, and move back to a sort of back three or, or possibly four, but as Leveramento as the fourth defender rather than the fifth defender. Um, but yeah, the double city defense isn't really doing it so far, but I still have kind of faith over the, the longer term. That's ultimately why you're doing it if you've got them is you're kind of banking on the fact that over the course of the season, they are going to be one of probably the top two or three um, teams to keep clean sheets over the course of the season. You can't always predict where those come, particularly for a team like that. So um, yeah, that's kind of, you're kind of in it for the long haul if you're going that way. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, as we've mentioned before, so I had Captain Salah, which was a, a massive part of that score, and then Mason Mount as well, which, yeah, glad to see him paying off. Um and then, yeah, just a couple of injury doubts, which is kind of the main my main thoughts for going into the next game week. So I've got Rafinha and Vardy, who both came off during the game, their games. So, um, yeah, eyes, eyes and ears peeled for press conferences later in the week to see how, how those are going. That will kind of dictate my um, my transfers. Um, and then finishing off with an Antonio goal as well, which was, yeah, as I say, nice to have someone kind of quite consistent in there as well, always getting returns. I did ben- bench Livramento again, which... Um, yeah, getting that. quite frustrating. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what's leading my my move away from the back four currently. Is is I think I I need to now start treating Livermento as a fourth defender, not a fifth defender, because he just seems to be that good. If even if it's not a clean sheet, he seems to be getting a, into all the right attacking positions. Which obviously he got his goal and he's had a few assists, I think, as well so far. So. Yeah, um, a bit of a switch up maybe in the long term, but I'm, overall, obviously, I'm, I'm happy with the result of this week and, and how things are looking, provided these um, injuries. I don't think any of them are specifically that bad. So I've got Rafinha, Vardy and Mbwemo who all have doubts, but I don't think any of them are like long, really long term. I think Mbwemo was supposedly potentially okay for the weekend, but they're still managing it. Uh, Rafinha and Vardy, I think, are both still doubts that I don't think they've confirmed either way necessarily, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, obviously really happy with, with this week. I think we touched on those few players that you mentioned while we're talking about it. I think Mbwemo is probably the most likely one. He, there's a chance he could be out for one week, I'm hearing, but it's not too serious. I just had a little tweak, I think, and I think he'll be back quite soon. I've just seen Aaron mention in the chat as well about Rafinha saying he was fine on his Instagram story. But I don't know if you saw... After the match, they went off with a pot on his leg, that you know, like one of those like metal boots. So, in my opinion, I can't see him being back for that Norwich fixture. And that Norwich fixture is the one you really want him for. And I think Leeds are playing tonight, and everyone was just up in arms because no one asked Bielsa how Rafinha was in his like pre-match um, conference, which is ridiculous. So, I've got some doubt about Rafinha being fit. I think, like you said, Charlie, it's not. It shouldn't be a long-term thing. But I would argue, if he's out this week, you're losing a lot of value by him being out of that Norwich fixture. So yeah, we'll see. I, I agree. He he would definitely be on the cards to go out if he's not playing Norwich. Um, uh, I also I did see that Instagram story thing, but I think there's an ex- <laughs> there mm. is an, a certain extent to which, like, that's that's well and fine for him to say that he's he's fine, but ultimately he's not the club doctor. So obviously he's going to have his own thoughts on how he is, but he's not the one that actually will know scientifically or medically how he is. 
Um, and there, there's there's been some comparisons to when um, I think it was for Bamford when he, he when he got his injury, he was saying, "Oh, it's fine, I'm I'm okay." And then obviously he ended up quite, out for quite a long time. So yeah, I, I I think it adds an element to to what you think about about when the player's coming back. But I wouldn't just go off the basis of their own the own player knowing themselves and their injury. It's um, yeah, a lot of things. And and like you alluded to with um, with Bielsa, he tends to be really open in press conferences. So there'll be another one before the weekend's games. So that's going to be um, a good one. I'm I'm sh- I'm a hundred percent sure that he'll get asked about Rafinha in that in that one. So um, yeah, just wait and see for that one. I think. Definitely wait for the conferences this week, especially because it's a Saturday deadline. I think because it was Friday deadline last week, people panicked a bit because it's a bit of an earlier deadline. But yeah, definitely wait for Bielsa. Like you said, he likes to tell us his lineup most of the time, so hopefully he'll do that. And I heard, I saw some comments about Vardy as well. That I think the issue you have with Vardy is that they now have Daka as well, who can come in. So I feel if he's got a slight issue it's quite likely he'll start on the bench because they've got that cover now up front. They don't need to risk him. So I'm, I'll be very wary of Vardy unless you get a further update. And I think that's a lot of funds to having that type of player. But it's another wait and see on that one. Watching out for them press conferences this week. It feels like we're saying that every week now because there's so much going on. We even recorded the pod last time before the Lukaku news, so that sent everyone into turmoil as well. Yeah, I better move on to my not-as-great week compared to you guys. So I got 66 points, which mainly down to not Captain Salah and Captain Havertz instead. And I also took a minus four because I took out Greenwood and Shaw for Livermento and Havertz, which, even though Havertz did, didn't return, Livermento actually covered that hit, surprisingly. Because I think Shaw got a minus one and Greenwood got one. So if I kept those two players, I would have got zero. So... <laughs> Technically, it paid for itself within a week, but um, it could have been Mount. It could have been better, but I'm quite happy with using that minus four because it does make team better. I didn't see Greenwood and Shaw getting many points in that game and really in the next two weeks at all because we've got Spurs and City. So that was more short-term and long-term at the time, that change. Um, I just didn't like the look of United, as you can see. So I didn't really want the assets in there. Outside of that, like I mentioned, Livermento with the return, Trent, Antonio with the returns as well. I couldn't believe Semedo pulled down the Leeds player in the last minute to concede a penalty. I was like, that is a typical one. He's my asset as well. So that ruined his clean sheet. But yeah, I don't... Yeah, there's certain issues in the team, and obviously the big one this week is choosing, choosing habits over Salah, but down to over 1 million in rank, but... It can only get better from there, so we'll see how we go moving forward. At least, I think what we said a few weeks ago, at least we're definitely all the way from the template now, and we're a bit more spread out, so it makes people make different decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sam can keep his rank, Charlie can keep the rank, or if I can catch up a bit at least. Because when you look at it in points terms, it's a big jump in terms of the rank, but it's like less than 100 points away from Sam, so it's easily still achievable because we're, we're not we're not we're roughly about a quarter of the way through the season, so still a long way to go for anyone who's in the same situation as me, so we can keep going for it. It may not be so different from the conscience and choices, but <laughs> that's something to watch out for going forward. 
But yeah, I think that gives a good roundup of the past game week. Are we ready for quiz time? Always ready. Send it. <laughs> Born ready. Right, so we've got two rounds this week. Uh, I've gone away from the format of using the previous two weeks because kind of because I was doing it over three game weeks, we kind of get using the same players. So we will come back to that at some point because I quite like that format we were doing. So currently we're on this is episode nine, so it's actually four four. As usual with you two, you're always too close to um, separate. So round one, so who won last time? I think Charlie won last time. So Sam, round one, very similar to how we've done one before. You've got a choice of Man City or Chelsea. What team would you like? I'm not telling you the question now. Okay, uh, let's go for Man City. Okay, so you'll get Man City and Charlie will get Chelsea. So... For this question, it's similar format to how we've done it before. So we're looking at Man City midfielders. I need you to tell me the top five Man City midfielders in terms of FPL points this season. And you need to give me them in the correct order. If you get them in the correct order, the top five, you'll get an extra point. So this is just solely midfielders. Uh, well, which are midfielders on FPL? Man City midfielders in the correct order for an extra point. Yeah, so top five. Okay. So if you, so you can start by giving me the, the the one you think is the highest and just work down. Wish I'd picked Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. I think. So. <laughs> I handed the nice good card there. Yeah, we did the same with um, defenders the previous week. Yeah, it was the other and, way around. And it? I think whoever's chose the team has always hated the choice they made. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I know the top three in order, and then it's going to be trouble. So we'll just rattle those. Um. Top is Bernardo Silva. He's Second is Phil Foden. He's in the top five. And third is Jack Grealish. He's in the top five. And then we are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There's got to be between four. Maybe three. So Mares has got to be in and amongst it. I'm not submitting that name just yet. I'd imagine, considering he had an unbelievable start to the season, Ferran Torres is in amongst it. I'd imagine De Bruyne is... Well, maybe he just hasn't played enough De Bruyne. And the other one, well, maybe... Maybe Gundogan. I'm going to go Ferran Torres because he had such a good start to the season. Okay, he's in the top five. Okay, nice. And I'm going to go for Mares. Incorrect. Mares was actually seventh. Yeah. <laughs> so it must, the, must be close, though, right? Yeah, Surely. it's it's close. Um, so the one you missed out of the top five was Gundogan, who was fourth. Um, I've been doing outscore Torres as well. Yeah, so Gundogan's on 29, Torres fifth with 26, KDB sixth with 25, Mares seventh with 23, and Rodri one point behind Mares, which I thought was a good one that Rodri's oh, I wouldn't even keeping up. I wouldn't even go anywhere near Rodri. Yeah, but Rodri was down in eighth. That shows you how many midfielders they've got, really. Yeah, that, that, and that also well, doesn't even count Sterling in there either. Yeah, I couldn't believe Sterling was below Rodri. Yeah. 
guess it's the lack of starts. There's about four of those which have probably missed about three games, yeah. but have done well in their off games. So yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, because that's what I was looking at. Like Bernardo's top because he's literally, I think he's missed one game. Foden missed like half of the games, but he's still quite close behind him in points. But yeah, that was definitely the tougher one. So we go, so you get four points for that, Sam. So you got four out of five right, and obviously not in the right order. Yeah. So then over to Charlie with Chelsea. So same format for you, Charlie. You start with the highest scoring. Well, there's quite a considerable number I can rule out, at least, so I can work <laughs> backwards. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who I'd put at the top, though. That's quite a difficult... Obviously, mate, like Mason Mount... He was in my team. I think he got 24 points just this week, so I'm going to have to put him close. But then he also didn't... He missed quite a few games without really getting in. I think he got one return before that. Um, I think I'll put Mount first. Um, yeah, he's in the top five. Okay. Second, just because I seem to remember you mentioning him a lot, Will, about potentially putting him in, I'm going to go with Kovacic. He's in the top five. Third, I think I'd go, hmm, there's not many kind of attacking ones left. Obviously, there's the likes of Havertz. Jorginho's probably got a penalty at some point to get some kind of return. The, obviously, the majority of them got returns this week. Um, so I guess Hudson and Doy is probably in the mix, as well as... Did Loft, I think Loftus Cheek got an assist this week. I'm gonna di I'm gonna discount Kante. I'm gonna discount kind of the injured ones like Pulisic, Ch, Barkley. Um, so I think I'll go. What I've actually submitted, I've just done the top two so far. Yeah, you've done Mount first and Kovacic second. Okay, so I think third I'll probably put probably between Jorginho or Havertz. Don't, I don't really remember a lot of Havertz returns. I think that's kind of what put me off. So I'm going to go Jorginho, third. He's in the top five. Havertz, fourth. He's in the top five. And then hmm, fifth could be difficult. Um, so it's whether Kante gets it just on minutes play, but then he hasn't actually, he's missed a couple of games as well. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to discount Kante. So it probably leaves me with Hudson. A doy, I guess. Yeah, I'll go Hudson and doy fifth. Yeah, that's correct. Five out of five. But they weren't in the correct oh, order. They weren't oh. in the correct order. So Kovacic is first in in front of Mount. Oh, okay. I think Kovacic has oh. got like five assists he might have now. He, he just always seems to be the man who feeds it to the forwards. He even got two assists in that game at the weekend. Right. I think he got an 11-pointer. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have considered him, but the fact that you've, yeah. I just remember you mentioning him quite a few times. <laughs> no, I think it's because he's like 5.3 million or something as well. So actually, yeah. if you had him in from the start, you've got a good point, a lot of points from that kind of value asset. Um, so it was Kovacic, Mount, and then you got, it was Havertz third by one point over Jorginho, and then Hudson and oh. was fifth, two points ahead of Loftus Cheek. I think eleven. I think it was eleven out of sixteen of those points. Hudson Odoi came at the week at the weekend. <laughs> he got most of his points at the weekend. But yeah, he still got five points. So you got them all correct, but it's not in the right order. Cool. So I think 
Well, when you say City and Chelsea, you think the Chelsea one's easier than you think, but it's not that easy. I think it's easier to get the top five, but not in the right order. Yeah. But yeah, so five points to you and four to Sam on the first round. So that means I'm going to let Sam go first on the second round. So basically in this round, if you get one wrong, you are out. So be very careful with your guesses because I'm going to let the other person have as many times as they want until they get one wrong. So it's, well, it's not unlimited points, but you can easily make a good point spin on this. So there are 25 players this season who have scored at least three goals. And I want you to list them for me. So it's a point per answer. So there's 25 of them. If you get one wrong, you're out, but I'll let the other person keep guessing. So over to you, Sam. 25 players have scored three or more. Yeah, it can be any position. Okay. Right. Uh, Pen is working faster than Brain at the minute. <laughs> uh, right. Salah. Yeah, that is obviously correct with 10 goals. Mane. Oh, take it in turns. Oh, sorry, I thought you were just saying rattle them off. Oh, sorry. I meant like, you need to take it in turns. So, fine, yeah, sorry. It's fine. fine. I, I won't say that. That can be yeah, your next I'll, one. I'll give you that as your second fine. one, so then Charlie can have two. Sorry, I didn't yeah, well, it was me not making Sorry, it my bad. My bad. That's fine. Um, I'll go uh, Antonio. Yep. Mane. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Bruno. Yep, that's correct. So then back to Sam. So you both have two each. Uh, Firmino. Yep. Uh, Jamie Vardy. That's correct. Uh, Jota. Correct. You're just listing off your old team here. <laughs> your old team sheet. We, we love a goal. <laughs> Speaking of which, Bamiang. Oh, no. I don't want to go in there, do we? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mason Greenwood. That is correct. Um, let's go Callum Wilson. That's correct. Uh, Josh King. That has to be correct, correct yeah. from the one God, game. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phil Foden. That is correct. Good. Uh, Danny Ings. I'm double checking my list here. Surely. I'm pretty sure he has. I'm going to VAR it because he's not on my list. Let's get Danny Ings up. Surely. He, he must have. He scored one recently and then scored a couple, I think, in their start of their season. I'm sure. Hmm. He has got three. What's my list saying then? <laughs> oh, GBSS. Oh no! Oh, no. I actually got this off them in the um, the Premier League website, so that's a great start, isn't it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to obviously give you that one, Sam. There must be so many people tied on the same amount of goals that it hasn't gate given. I guess, yeah, three is mm. quite a low number, isn't it? So I guess there must be quite a lot on. More right, out, like half of the list is kind of on that right. amount of goals, but you'd think. If they're going to include like 10 or 12 people on that same amount of goals, I wouldn't just cut everyone else out of it. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy to do VAR checks if I have to. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't fill me with confidence when I get it off the Premier League website. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, we'll go with recent memory then and Mason Mount. No doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt about that one. <laughs> doubt about that one. Okay. Uh, let's go for Ismail Sar. That is correct. Um. I'll go with um, our, our mate Huang. That is correct. Hey, let's go uh, Saeed Benrahma. Because yeah, I'm, like, I'm looking at that list and Benrahma's not on it, but I know he's got three. <laughs> he must, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's one of them. I know he has because he scored two in the first two games and then he scored when I went to the game. So I know without going on bar, that one's correct. So there is more than 25. Thanks, FPL, for this. <laughs> Um, probably getting down to low numbers now. Um, who would have scored? Few. Um, Neil Mopai. That is correct. So to give you a bit of background, you're missing one player that has got four goals, and then everyone else has got three goals. All right, well, we've got a few more names to go here. Uh, let's go for Yuri Tielemans. Why is he not on the list? <laughs> it's going well. Let's get him up. I'm pretty sure he's got three, hasn't he? he he's got at least two, I can think of. I don't know about... I'm, I'm pretty he's sure he's... I, th I thought he had four, to be fair. But... <laughs> yeah, he's got three. Luckily, he's got two in two. Literally, all the ones that come to VAR are the um, Sam's guesses. He was going for the obscure ones. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, that is correct. Um, I'm trying to remember who we've said already. This is the yeah, yeah. Not, if, not... if you if you say the player again okay. by mistake, I will let you off. Okay, in that case, I can't remember if we said him, but Rafinha, because I know he scored three. Yeah, we've not said least. Rafinha, and it is correct. Oh. Hey, uh, have we said Big Rom? Lukaku. We've not said him, he's correct. Bare bones now. Um, oh, uh, Sun must have scored three. Yeah, he was Which the one? four that you were missing. So okay. everyone else that's left has got three. <laughs> it's quite a okay. few well-known names. Yeah, well, I'm going to roll one of those well-known names. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. That is correct. <laughs> when he said Rom a minute ago, I was like, did he say Rom or Ron? I want to know. <laughs> that is correct. Um, I'm sure before he got injured, he did get enough. So I'm going to go Calvert Lewin. That is correct. So according to my list, we've got one, two, three. I've only got four left, but you could find another one outside of that. Two names, so. Fingers crossed, Charlie doesn't pinch one of them. <laughs> uh, well, one of them's right. I know this one's right. Uh, well, I think this one's right, I hope. Anyway. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be quite embarrassing now. Uh, Odson Edward. That is correct. And that would have been very embarrassing. They got those two, didn't they, in about two minutes in this first game. Point, actually. I should have thought of that. Um, I can't remember if we said this guy, but based on previous pods, Damari Gray. So, he's not on my list, but I feel like he's up there, isn't he? 
Is he must he, have, because he was so regularly scoring. Yeah, unless he got so many assists that it just... Yeah, we did get three goals. That is correct. Snuck in there. There, there could be a huge um, <laughs> list that picked the longest list in history. But yeah, that is correct. I have uh, just plucked an inspirational, an <laughs> inspirational shout. We're going to go for Ben Chilwell. That is correct. Uh, I can't believe you, neither of you got that sooner because you said it. You <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking he scored in the last. I sat, yeah. sat there talking about the fact he scored in the last three games. Like, yeah, because you literally said he scored in the last four games. <laughs> I know. He scored three for Chelsea oh, yeah. and then one for England. That's good. That keeps one in reserve. <laughs> I, I got, I got one name. I don't even know if it's right. So I think after that, that. I've got two on my list. But then there could be a few more. Well, I've, I, I'm, I'm not sure on this one, but I'm just going on the logic that he scored two this weekend, and I seem to remember his name popping up before, but I don't know if it was an assist or a goal. But I am going to go for Burnley's new man Corne because he scored two at the weekend. Yeah, that is correct. He's got three goals. <laughs> he was one of the two. Who was the other one against? Um, he, he scored in the first half of a game and he went off at half time injured um, okay. I can't remember who it was against particularly um, quick so goal that, update uh, Arsenal 1-0 up against Leeds in the uh, the Coca-Cola Cup Coca-Cola Cup nice. it was away against Leicester that Cornet scored in a 2-2 draw he scored in two sets 2-2 draws right last name uh he may have blanked this week but i think andros townsend is in the club yep that was the last one i had so i think we probably covered on everyone but i'm happy because this is a bit of a list that has clearly been challenged for you to keep guessing and i'll double check it um <laughs> because then technically you're out sure. if you get it wrong <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure we're both at, at the very depths of our <laughs> Yeah. Of our and typically, who else because be. there was an odd number, you were also level overall on the scores. <laughs> so you're going to be a draw unless some one of you plucks out oh, a random sure. players from somewhere. Um, I think I'm just going to have to go with someone that's probably someone that scored this weekend and maybe would have scored again before. Yeah, uh, are there more? I thought there was only. I thought that was it. But, yeah, well, it it might just be it, someone but, that's yeah, not on the list. I'm just. Um, not convinced by the FPL website, well, the Premier League website, because we've missed like four, haven't we? So I'm happy for you guys to guess one more and I'll double check it. Unless, you, said... unless you just want to call it a draw. I'm happy to call it a draw. Have we said Yotta yet? Yeah, we've said Yotta I think we'll call it a draw and we're going to have to do a decider like we did last week. I'm going to have to find. I'm going to find. Well matched as always. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been unbelievably high standard. These quizzes, to be fair. <laughs> I, know, I, I think we to... need to get out more. Some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So I'm gonna, can you remember how I did it last time to decide the winner? So I'm, I'm going to give a player, and you guys have to predict what their total FPL points are for the season. Yeah. And obviously, the player who goes first gets a slight advantage. So I'm trying to think who, I'm pretty sure Charlie went first last time, didn't he? And then Sam kind of bottled going higher or lower. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go first. Maybe there. it's a power play for me to go first instead. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I was going to make Sam go first because of no, that. Yeah, uh, Sam can go first. All right. So we're going to go 
for a West Ham defender who plays at centre back, which is our Bonner. <laughs> Going for a bit of a challenging so one tough. here. <laughs> you said you were too good at the quizzes, so if either of you get this nailed on, then that'll prove it. So, apart from, I'm not going to give you any information to give it away because I don't think I did that last time. So, can you give me a guess, Sam, with his FPL points, and then Charlie will have to make a guess based on what you give. I have not got... I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> um, other than, I can't imagine he's got more points than Cresswell. And I don't think Cresswell has 50. So we're going to work backwards from there. Uh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Ogbonna, well, I mean, Ogbonna's basically played, I guess. It's hard, because I want to like, talk my thought process out loud and just give everything away, but, I mean, it's not exactly a tactical masterclass. It's just going to be guessing. <laughs> I didn't want to make it someone easy, because there's certain people you'll see on the list, and this isn't one yeah, you don't yeah. see on the list. Well, I don't think Cresswell has more than 50 points, and he must be the highest-scoring West Ham defender, especially after getting an assist and a clean sheet this week. Uh, so off that basis, I'm going to put Cresswell somewhere between 40 and 50 and say Obonna's somewhere between 30 and 40, I guess, because I don't think Zuma's played the whole season. Obonna must have played almost every game for West Ham. Trying to think how many clean sheets West Ham have kept in the league, though. I don't think it's been loads. But he... Mm. I'm going to go for... 35. OK. That's over to you, Charlie, where you want to go in terms of especially higher or lower. Yeah. Um... I probably would have gone somewhere in that range as well, because so if we think, uh, yeah, and I agree that he must have played every game so far. So that's what nine games, two points per game as a minimum. So we're talking eighteen from that. Let's say maybe two clean sheets, possibly three. I don't really remember them having a lot of clean sheets. They seem to concede quite a lot. So let's. So what we are eight. Nine, eighteen. If we add, let's say, two clean sheets, that takes him to thirty. Do you f feel like, in the back of my mind, he scored against someone recently? Because it wasn't a very good game, but he he got the only goal from it. It's 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 going to be close. I, I reckon Sam's probably hit nail on the head with thirty-five. Um, it's just about un under or above. Um, I don't. I don't feel like he's got enough potential to get too many points. I agree. Cresswell must have got more. Ooh, this is tough. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go under. 
Um, thirty-four. Okay, so if I go through his stats for this season, he's played every single minute of the season. So using that logic that you said, Charlie, he would have eighteen points. He did lose one point. Well, he's lost quite a few one pointers because of the amount of goals mm, West Ham have conceded. Well. Um, he scored one goal against Everton. He's got six bonus points this season. So he got three in that game where they won and then a nil-nil against Southampton. So Sam went for 35, you went for 34, and he's got 37 points oh, this season. Boy. <laughs> so surprisingly, the person who goes first seems to have the advantage in this game because it's <laughs> yeah. the person I don't, I don't, thinking a bit much. Yeah, you just, you just think too much. You overthink it completely. <laughs> I think especially if, like, obviously Sam's guess is in the ballpark of where it is and it just puts the doubt because it could be a few points either side. Yeah, that that level of defender in that sort of team, that's that's going to be a ballpark. It's just yeah, trying to. It's just fifty mm. fifty which way you go. Yeah, in fairness, to Bono, he's got more points than Livermento, Chilwell, James this season so far, basically because he played every game. And your, your logic was right that Cresswell has got eight more points than Ogbonna because he's got the two assists. So yeah, that's a win for Sam. Fair play. That was a tough one. Well, you, you two bring it on yourselves, to be fair. It's always drawing. You have to get something tough to decide you. <laughs> but yeah, so that makes it 5-4. Always tight between you two. So, as I said, we'll need a decider in the last episode of the whole season to get between you. But yeah, rolling on to the next game week. So we're already on game week 10. Seems to be flying through them. Well, especially when we get to December, we're going to be flying through them because there's literally like three games a week, isn't there? So, I don't even think I should really ask this question. I don't think any of us, especially after the week I've had experience with Salah, I don't think there's anyone we're going to be captain outside of Salah, is there? Should I just avoid that question, both of you? Yeah, uh, 100%. Salah will be getting the armband at home to Brighton. Um, I don't expect it to be anywhere near as much of a route as it was at Old Trafford. Just Brighton just seems to be a little bit more organised defensively. Um, but Salah's got a decent record against Brighton. Uh, Liverpool have got a decent record against Brighton. I watched them at home against them last season, um, and they were very good. So I, I expect them quite a comfortable, comfortable game for Liverpool there. Um, and yeah, Salah will be getting the armor van. And also now I think it's 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 unfortunate that it's fallen this way quite so early. But there's like players that you just can't not captain. And now if you don't captain Salah, so many people captain Salah that if he has one of those weeks you're in the mud. Um, so I think it's kind of unfortunate it's fallen that way so quickly. Um, but it's basically, unless you're playing Norwich at home, that's the only other consideration I've got now for choosing any other captain other than Salah. I wouldn't do that. That doesn't work either. I've tried that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think exactly what you said. I think unless it's an injury or we get to African Cup of Nations, then... A lot of people. Yeah, just we, do, we don't want to talk about the African Cup nations. That, that we're we're uh, we're hoping that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely wishful thinking. I've seen a lot of funny posts around Klopp trying to get involved in that one. I've just seen loads of funny gifs on that one. But I think at the minute that's the only reason we wouldn't be captain Salah at this point in time. So I assume you're on the same page, Charlie. Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's got a hat trick against your lot. He's scored against Man City. He's got it. Just think. 
Burnley's the only game he's blanked in so far. So uh, there's no reason you can even doubt that he, on this kind of form, you just have to go with it. You just, I don't, I don't think there's any sense in, like Sam said, it, it's there's so I think there's so little payoff really if you go for another captain just because of both the likelihood of Salah captaining uh, paying off, but also just the yeah points potential every time. It's it's not like he's you know, I talked before about the likes of Antonio or, or Wilson, who were kind of regular scorers, but not high ceiling. Salah's just every game, such a high school, high ceiling player. And it just makes for crazy reading when you look back through his FPL points. is is so many double figures that I, I just, I've never seen someone score at that rate so quickly. Um, so yeah, 100%. There's, there's nothing that would make me change barring injury or just, yeah, absolute madness. He can't, especially after the um, rank changes, especially for myself that we've seen this week. I don't think there's anyone going to be going against the curve at this point in time. But obviously, we've got the captaincy kind of sewn up for this week. I think we'll we'll touch on where we're planning to go with our teams at this point in time. So, Sam, is there any particular moves that you're looking or problem areas you've got in your team that you're looking to sort for this coming game week? Um, not really. I think uh, Buemo is probably going to play for Brentford from, from all things I've seen. It's a bit unfortunate we haven't heard anything about Rafinha. The only move I'd consider is potentially bringing in Mount for Rafinha. Um, but yeah, I've got over five and a half million in the bank ready to do something if I need it. So we'll uh, we'll let it roll. I think I, I just think there's a there's FA Cup or, or there's this cup this week um, yeah. between game weeks nine and ten. FA Cup to consider an international break coming up. There's just a lot of value in having two transfers available to use if you want to. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I can't see myself making any transfers, to be perfectly honest. It's a good position to be in, especially because you're wildcarded last week as well, didn't you? So you'd hope yeah, Ch- Charlie, in a good Yeah, Charlie, 100%. Charlie summed up well last week. That if you're coming off the wildcard and making transfers, you're probably not in the best position. Um, so I think, uh, you know, not just off that, but, yeah, you know, I've just had a 103-point game week. Just uh, just see how we go. I haven't exactly got bad fixtures coming up. Um, we'll see what happens. It would be nice to have a, an attacking Chelsea asset in there because quite a few people will have Chelsea assets from last week or at least bring them in. Um, so that is the one thing that does slightly concern me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can easily recoup the advantage if someone outscores by 10 points or 20 points this week or whatever with having the, the option of a... A second transfer in the bank if uh, there's an injury to a key player over the international break. So no, or sorry, over the cup games in the week. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm not panicking yet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure me and Charlie will both have a Chelsea asset in our team. Knowing my luck, Havertz will probably get dropped. How it's going at the mm. minute? <laughs> well, he's actually started in the cup tonight, which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing because he well, could. I don't think they really have any option, do you? Yeah, I'm gonna say. So. If he gets a goal, it gives him confidence, doesn't it? And he did come off early in the league game as well. So, Goal update in the Cup. Arsenal have scored their second against Leeds. Absolutely prolific. Eddie Nketiah <laughs> is in on the score sheet. Uh, I thought you, you had Remains quite... Chelsea 1, Southampton 1. Yeah, I saw, saw you had like, quite a changed lineup in that, Charlie. I, I was surprised that Smith Rowe was starting in that game, though. That was the only... Concern, I support from FPL point of view. He's getting to be getting a lot of minutes. 
Yeah, I, I think he's got the legs for it though. He's he's at that age, I think, where he mm. can just play these consecutive games. I think it, I was definitely expecting Saka to be benched, partly because he's got the obvious replacement in Pepe, but also just Saka has looked just a bit worn out recently, especially those last I think twenty or so minutes of the game at the weekend. He just he wasn't pressing as quick as he normally does. He just did look a bit tired, and that's fair enough because he's basically been our main per- player for coming up to two seasons worth of, of games and obviously played basically all of the England games as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fair enough that Saka definitely gets rest where possible. And, and Smith-Rowe, yeah, it is a bit of a surprise. I think he could, we could have seen Odegaard come in for him because um, Odegaard hasn't really been playing too well. So it would have been maybe the right the right call to get him there. But I guess Arteta just wants to continue that vein of form that Smith-Rowe's in. And like I said, I, I think he'll have no trouble playing two games a week for, for a, a long period. Yeah, I was just checking up on the Chelsea game, talking about Kai Havertz's goals. He did actually score the goal for Chelsea, so you never know. It, it could be dodging FPL points even more by just making sure he scores in the cup and not doing anything in the league. That must be very typical. I've seen that Mount and Chilwell have both come on as well. Seems they're gunning for the win, but we'll see how that one goes. So have you got any plans, Charlie, for the upcoming game week? Any, I think you mentioned a lot of flags. Is there any plans in mind? Yeah, so currently three flags, um, which is Vardy, uh, Rafinha and Mbwemo. Um Of those, like we've said, we probably expect Mbwemo to be okay, but again, it's just going to be a case of wait and see and, and what comes out in the press conferences. Um, ideally, I want to try and hold the transfer and keep it till next the next week. Um, so really, I'm just looking for one of those to be to be fine and then I'll, I'll be okay for the week. Um, so yeah, pr- 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 ideally no transfers this week. If if one of those gets confirmed out for a sort of slightly longer period, then maybe I'll just look to move them on from a value point of view. There's no point really hanging on to them. I think longer term, I'm probably going to be aiming to downgrade Vardy. Like I mentioned earlier, potentially to someone like Callum Wilson, or I may just look at another kind of value option around that price, which then allows me to just put a bit more money into the midfield, maybe look at someone like the Man City midfield or, or potentially Sun for Spurs' run. Um, as as we kind of alluded to, I do expect them to get, pick up a good result against United this weekend um, based on current form. So I can see Son starting to get on a run. Um, so he may be on in my thoughts. But again, that probably would also, as well as taking the money out of Vardy, I'd probably need to make this move that I've been talking about of switching to a back three rather than back four and taking out that um, fourth sort of expensive defender. So, um, yeah, currently nothing, but long-term kind of looking to maybe start pushing funds into the midfield. Yeah, I think that links quite well to my dilemma for the week with Romelu Lukaku sat on my bench from last week that needs to be dealt with. So that's the obvious transfer that I need to make as a minimum of one transfer. So I think I'll put the question to you, both of you, like starting with Sam. If So I currently have Tony and Antonio... If I was downgrading to a striker, so you, you've got kind of, you can get anyone you want in the game because it's coming down from the car coup. Is there anyone that stands out in that striking department that you'd be going for? I, I mean, I like both the Wolves boys. I like Jimenez and, and I still like Huang, despite the fact mm. that he came out last week. Um, you know, Huang is going to start against Everton, who have just conceded five at home. Um, so if you, you know, want to save some money and move some funds around, uh, I'm so frustrated myself. I didn't back my back my gut last week with that one. 
Um, but, you know, Jimenez is going to be in and amongst the box as well. So either of the Wolves boys are probably not bad options. Um, just just to add on that, by the way, he was, I don't know if you saw the goal. He was incredibly lucky to get that goal. And yeah, but... also statistically, he has is massively overperforming as well. I think I, I would still, even despite what we've seen so far, I would still prefer the Jimenez pick just because I expect him, if there are going to be any goals, I expect him to be involved, whether it's a goal or an assist, whereas he, he was there. And and I guess you could say, you know, right position and stuff, and and that is a, a bonus for Huang. But uh, yeah, he, he was very lucky to get that. It was basically the Jimenez shot, and then he just managed to get on the end of it that ended up as a goal. So... Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily feel downbeat about it, but obviously, I guess there's the value dilemma as well in in Huang being a bit cheaper. But yeah, I mean, you can only really downgrade Antonio to Jimenez because I think Jimenez is more expensive than Tony anyway. So if you're going to downgrade Antonio, or you're looking to first of all, I wouldn't get rid of Antonio. <laughs> That's the first move. Um, and second of all, Tony's going to come good. Um, I'll just uh, just ride yeah. it out. I don't think there's too many better shouts in and around there. Maybe I've got Edward. I think Tony and Edward are similar price. Um, Edward has a has a bad fixture this week away at City, but then after that goes Wolves at home, Burnley away, Villa at home, Leeds away, Man United, Everton, Southampton, Watford. Like there's a decent run of games in there. I'm not going to be taking Edward out of my team until the earliest game week, sort of. 21 now um he'll be in the squad for a good 10 weeks assuming he doesn't get injured or anything like that um so there are some value picks around and about that that are worth a punt i think if if i can just throw throw a name out there for you will just if Mm. you were fancying being a little bit interesting I, i did talk about it offline but gabriel jesus has played every game he's been available for the only two games he's missed or i think he came on late in the first game and that was based on returning from I think international or maybe an injury or something and then there was the Burnley game which um, that was after that international break where the Brazilian players finished on the Friday morning or whatever it was um, he seems to be a regular starter and you don't get that very often and then that kind of leads me to think that that's not going to continue maybe full time but he seems to be picking up points and it would be an interesting one to go for. I kind of regretted not going for him as, as a bit of a, just an exciting pick when I downgraded Lukaku. Um, I went for Vardy in the end, which I'm already kind of regretting. Obviously the injury and stuff doesn't help and hindsight and everything. Um, but yeah, I think if you were looking just to be a little bit different, Jesus might be in my thinking. Very different that one. I think I'd be wary of putting that amount of money into a player and then I'm not guaranteed to start. But that's obviously the gamble you take on Man City, isn't it? He he does have the great run of fixtures, including Man United coming up, so he's going to get goals. Well, I was looking at the run of fixtures and I'm like, that doesn't look good. And then I, look, I saw United, I'm like, well, I guess it's not terrible, is it really? It's United. Then it's Everton as well, who we just said conceded five. Then it's West Ham, who've not been solid at all. And then it's a run of greens. So, yeah, go yeah. for it if you fill in. Interesting. <laughs> Feeling fruity there. Um, I think on the internet because obviously there's international break between eleven and twelve, isn't there? I think the Brazil game isn't as late as it was last time, so I'm pretty sure there's no doubt that the playing game week twelve that would be my only hesitation if they go away with Brazil and come back with an injury or something. Obviously, it's quite a long flight at the same time. So yeah, it's definitely one to think think about. Yeah, I've got Tony Antonio already, Sam, so they won't be. Um, going anywhere for now. Well, Tony's got a nice run coming up, and Antonio, I'm a bit 
I'm not 100% sold on keeping Antonio. He's possibly one. I, I like the Villa fixture, but then I think the next three fixtures he has after that aren't great, because I think he's got Liverpool, and then I can't remember if it's City or Chelsea he's got in that next set of three. So I, I'm not fully against getting rid of Antonio at some stage, but he's not the immediate I, one to I get think, rid of. I think the, uh, Antonio's next five are Villa away, Liverpool home, Wolves away, City away, and Brighton at home. And when you look yeah. at that as a five, you think you probably back him to score in, in three out of those five games. I certainly would. I'd back him to score at Villa, who have uh, shown that they've got a few holes at the back. I'd back him to score at Wolves. Um, well, maybe it's a tight one, Wolves away. And I'd back him to score against Brighton at home. It's not out of the question to think that West Ham are going to give Liverpool a game at home. Uh, what West Ham are fourth in the league, I think, after the, after yeah. the weekend. Uh, they're, they're, they are no fools. They're playing very good football, very organised football. Um, and they've got you know, a guy who's bang in form. Um, has been since the start of the season and you know i've said a couple of times that it might be time to move off antonio and every, and you know i moved off him and now he's back in the team um so it's, you know he's he's not exactly a bad option to have and west ham are always going to go through this slippery patch um, and if you can afford to keep him in and just stick with him come that game week 18 assuming the hamstrings are still together at that point you know he's got like he's got an unbelievable run of games from game week 18 um, through all the way through to sort of game week 26, 27. So, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, if you can stick with him, stick with him. I, I much prefer, I think it's a valid point about what Charlie was saying with Jesus. The one thing I'd noticed about Jesus is that when he's playing, he tends not to be used as the nine. He's sort of used as like the right-sided yeah. player. of And... I know we talk about the fact that Trent is basically a midfielder playing in defence and Salah is basically a striker playing in midfield. But to have a striker who's almost not really playing as a striker um, is probably the only maybe slight concern I'd have with Jesus. Uh, I, li- I like him as a differential pick. I think it's a really smart smart pick there from Charlie. But um, I-, I don't know if I like Jesus enough over Antonio to warrant a swap there. Um, but yeah, I guess up to you. Yeah, um, I think it's the funds on Jesus, isn't it? At least when you're going for a, maybe a midfielder, there's a someone you can easily change to around that price range. I think Jesus is a bit of a funny price as well, and you're not guaranteed the start, so I'm not overly sold on him as of yet, but it's one to put in the thinking bank. Just just one other point to throw in there. That I was speaking with a friend of mine earlier this week about this, and this week, this year, sorry, or season in FPL is so different to any previous seasons because... You've got three teams that are just so far a class apart mm-hmm. uh, from from most else, and they will use their squads because they are all three competing to win multiple competitions. Um, and then you've got, um, and, and to be fair to West Ham, they've had a great start to the season, and a few other teams have done well. But you would think that those three are going to kick on, and given sort of in ten game weeks' time, you're probably looking at like a fifteen point gap down between the top three down to fourth. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and at that point, like the assets from the other clubs that aren't maybe in European football, that in and around the, the fringes of the top four are going to become so much more appealing, and that if you can pick them up now, it almost will save you a bit of a headache a little bit further down the line. Um, so you know, like I know you West Ham are involved in the Europa League, but so be it. But like maybe a Palace striker or a Wolves forward, or um, I don't know if you can get get some of these guys into your team because we will all have heartbreak at some point 
when Chelsea have got Juventus coming up in the Champions League. Um, Kepa starts in net and Saar starts at left back. And Liverpool decide to play Neko Williams for a week while to give Trent a rest because they've got Atletico Madrid or something like that. Um, and the other teams in the round haven't got these mega fixtures midweek um, to the same intensity that, that the big clubs have. Um, so, you know, if you can sort of look to pick up the top end assets of the middle tier clubs, I think there's a lot of value to be found in, in those guys. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value generally this year because, well, especially with like Lukaku's injury, you, like De Bruyne is not the asset he used to be. I think w- when we first saw like Lukaku and Ronaldo come into the game, it was like, oh, there's too many premiums going around. But then we're not all in on that structure anymore. And I feel, I think you said, Sam, you've got a lot in the bank. Like there's a lot of money we have got to spend at the minute. So there is quite a lot of value picks out there that we can hopefully get on to while they're at a low price and they'll get us some value at the same time. Kind of touching on Brentford as well because they've got a great run coming up. So, as for example, Tony and Buemo were both great value ones to be bringing in. Like that, well, I've had, I think I've had Tony. He's probably one of the only players I've had the whole season and he dropped in value, but then he's gained that value back because of this new run, next run coming up. So it's just, it's going to be getting between those value picks at the right time, I think. And yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Antonio's hamstrings deal with that, like three games in a week when it comes to Christmas time. I'd be a bit wary of that. But my thinking with Antonio was to lose him for like these five games. And then obviously I've got a wild card still to use. So it doesn't mean he wouldn't be coming back in. It's just trying to play the fixtures a bit. But that's one like I said, I'll be going more. I've got more bigger priorities to get rid of Lukaku for someone else before I go to Antonio, but he's probably in the top five players that could be moved on from the team, but I'm sure there'll be some other flags that'll come up between now and then to destroy those plans. But we shall see. So looking at the fixtures that we've got to come up for the coming week, I've just seen Hills in the chat and you're actually playing Hills' team at the weekend. Charlie, how do you see you getting on against Leicester? Um, it's a very weird one to call, really, because Leicester seemed to have gained back a little bit of momentum having previously been very hit on this. Um, traditionally, the games between us have always been quite high-scoring, quite end-to-end and, and free-flowing. Um, but I think since Arteta's come in, he's tried to put a bit of a hold on that. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could honestly see... I, I wouldn't be surprised with any scoreline either way, really. I could see either team winning. It just depends completely on, on which teams, both Arsenal and Leicester, which which sides show up properly. Um, I guess maybe just the fact... I think it's at the Emirates. I think... Well, may have I got that wrong? can't remember. Uh, it no, it's at, no, it's at Leicester, actually. So I think maybe that has a potential to swing it. But yeah, honestly, I, I, can't, I can't really call the, the difference between the two. Yeah, it should be a decent game to start off the weekend as well. And like I said, especially Dakar in that um, Europa League game with them four goals. It's very impressive. That's why I was a bit scared of Vardy and rotation after that game. So that's why I was staying clear of that for now. Yeah, they're definitely coming back into form. There's a few interesting assets. I feel like the Ignacio keeps in that team is a good place to go for in attack. But it's very much the defense, um, the rotation again that I'm very unsure about with that front three. I've also seen that James Justin is back in the um, training, so he could be one to look out for in like a month or two to come back in. Nice value pick, as we saw from last season. 
But yeah, outside of that for Leicester, I don't think I'll be going for much else there. But like I said, should be a good game to start off the week, even on TV at lunchtime. We've got a lot of games going on at 3 o'clock. We've got two of the, well, all three of the title contenders are actually at 3 o'clock this weekend, which is quite refreshing to see. Would you expect some of the three title chasers, as we should call them now, to all three of them to get comfortable wins in those fixtures? Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think Liverpool will beat Brighton. I think Man City will beat Palace. Um, and I think Chelsea will beat Newcastle. Uh, if I had to pick one of those who will probably have the toughest ride uh, out of all of them, uh, I would probably say... Well, I don't know. I mean, you'd probably look at them and say Liverpool will probably have the toughest ride, but Liverpool at home just don't really tend to lose that often. I can't see anything but all three of them winning, um, to be honest. And then you look at the teams in and around there. You know, West Ham are away at Villa. I, I expect West Ham to beat Villa, but it's not an easy, easy game. That Spurs have got United. United literally cannot be as bad as they were at the weekend. It's kind of impossible. Um, and they will need to try and bounce back and build some credit back up. Um, you know, Brentford away at Burnley, Arsenal, Leicester playing each other. So it's a, re- it's a good opportunity for the those three to like put a little bit of daylight in that in that gap at the top of the table. So uh, I can't see anything but all three of them winning. Yeah, I agree. There, it's very much as we've been saying. It's those three. They're going to push on now and we'll probably get that points gap, especially when we've got these easier fixtures. And it will. It doesn't always come down to it. I was going to say the head-to-head games could decide where the title goes, but it tends to be the ones that are the most consistent against the lower team. So these are teams that the top three definitely need to be winning if they're going to have that realistic chance of lifting the trophy come May. So looking at that Spurs Man United fixture, Charlie, would you be bringing any Spurs assets in to capitalise on United's poor defence? Uh, if, if it was that easy, I would. I think <laughs> if I was on, maybe if you're on like a wild card this week, I think that makes sense. Um, the, pro- <clears throat> the problem for me is if you're doing it for, just from normal transfers, really the only asset I want is Son. Uh, I know people talk about Kane, but I think he's, I, I just don't like him as much as I like Son. Obviously, the, the position that, um, the fact that Sun's in midfield, a midfield um, gets him the extra point for the goal and, and potential clean sheets, although I don't think he'll get one here. But yeah, Sun would be the only one I would want, and that's a bit too difficult to get to just on one transfer. Um, but I, I, yeah, if, if for example, you're on a wild card, I would probably be looking at trying to get Sun in both because of this game, but also the run ahead. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see how, even though it's been Spurs, even though it's Spurs and Spurs haven't been great. Um, I can't see how they wouldn't score in that game, given what we've seen of United's defence so far this season. So using that thinking, if I said to you, using my team as an example, if Rafinha was confirmed out, so Rafinha's out, Lukaku's out, who I need to get rid of, if I was going to do Rafinha and Lukaku out for a cheap striker and Son, would you see that's a good time to do that kind of move? If, If it's not for a hit, I would. If it is for a hit, I would be more doubtful. But I guess mm. the fact that Lukaku is... We're almost certain Lukaku is not going to play. So I guess that kind of weakens the effect of the hit. So that's yeah. probably, in that situation, is okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think I'd be tempted to, to be honest. But I, the problem is 
basically what we just talked about is who you go for as as that forward um because you've got to think about both players in that hit because yes some might do well but then um yeah what's your forward going to do in comparison but i I think in in that example that you mentioned because uh, and rafinha as well actually if they're both not going to play then it it just i think it does make sense to take the hit to do it um if you're taking out two starting players i don't think it would make sense to do it for a hit yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. And obviously you need to think of the long-term benefits that you mentioned with Son, that it's not good to run coming up. So I think it's one but to Are you consider. prepared to take a hit to bring a player to, that plays against your own team? That's what I'm interested to know. <laughs> well, after the Havertz experience with Salah going the opposite direction, me captaining <laughs> someone against my own team would have gone well. So, <laughs> um, what, happens if you, what happens if United win and then you just feel worse about the fact that you brought in a player to but if United blank win, against your own team? Like, I'm not going to complain, am I? Especially after, well, I am because it means Ali will still have a job. But that's a conflict. I'm going to, I'll make a, I'll make a bold prediction. I don't think Manchester United are going to sack Solskjaer this year, no matter what happens. For the I, whole season. I, yeah, I agree, to be honest. I, I think, especially because the time to do it would be now, but then after this, but the, it sounds from everything that's coming out of the club, it sounds like they're going to keep him for the Spurs game. Then you've got the Champions League game midweek. They're not going to sack him in between that such such a short turnaround. Then it's the Manchester derby. You can't really sack him ahead of that either. It just it feels constantly like there's there's too many games too quickly to be able to to get, get him out. And he always just seems to find that one game where he wins that puts a little bit of doubt into why they should sack him on the inside seemingly, and everyone still seems to support him. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he'll stay. And it'll be for the better of the rest of us. Yeah, I think realistically, if he doesn't go in the international break, like before or by the international break, then there's no, he's not going to go, is he? Um, in my personal opinion, using the log, the logic the Glazers tend to use, they don't really care about where we finish in the league as long as it's in the top four. So. I think they're looking at that Champions League game as the most important fixture. If we lose that Champions League game, I think that's more important if he stays or not. They, they clearly don't care that we lost 5-0 to Liverpool. So if they see themselves losing a Champions League game that could cost them that Champions League revenue, I think that might be what makes them change it. I don't see... They're not cared about the league because they know we can come back from a bad position and make it up as we've seen with Oli before. So if we lose that Atalanta game... I think that could be what pushes it, but he's got away with it before, so it'll be interesting between now and that international break. Because if he gets through that international break, you can just if he like even if he wins one game and loses two in these next three set fixtures, the amount of pressure over those two weeks, like if he survives through that, then he can survive for anything really. So we've gone off on a tangent again there. We tried to not be drawn back into it, but we had to at some point. But yeah, you put that mid now, Charlie, bringing in someone against my own team. <laughs> but then I've got should have captain salary made at the same time. So uh, I'm gonna throw it out there. I don't think there's any Spurs asset, no matter how if it's Son or Kane or anything for this week that I would be bringing in. Spurs haven't shown enough about them to be like taking advantage of Manchester United. They couldn't score against West Ham. Like. If the, Let's, let's you know keep things in, into perspective. West Ham are way more organised outfit this year than than Man United are, but uh, at the same time, like let's keep things into perspective. Um, I don't think there's any Spurs player that 
Like you still, I, I don't back Spurs to keep a clean sheet against United. I don't know if either of you think that they're guaranteed to keep a clean sheet against United, so that kind of rules out mm-hmm. defensive options from a midfield point of view. You're only really looking at Son. And then from a striker point of view, you're only really looking at Kane, who scored one goal all season. Um, you know, I don't think uh, it's going to be a particularly high-scoring game, to be perfectly honest. Well, I, th- I think United have got every chance of winning, really. Like, you know, when, when, big, when big clubs go out and get battered, which doesn't happen particularly often, then, uh, you know, it's... It, they tend to come back with a reaction. You know, I look at Liverpool losing 5-0 to City a couple of years ago, and then they went on the most outrageous run. Um, you know, Chelsea getting pumped by Man City as well went went on a decent run after that. Um, you know, Chelsea getting humbled by Man City. I know they had a manager change, but after that, they went on a brilliant run. So it's not um, it's not by any means like done at all. It's a strange feeling because I feel like if we lose the Spurs, it'll be one of the most celebrated United losses from actual United fans because that could be the last straw, which is not the where you want to be with your team. It's just ridiculous. I, I can't imagine there's high odds in that game for either team to keep a clean sheet because I would argue Tottenham have probably got a slightly better chance keeping a clean sheet because that's like 1% and United 0%. But uh, yeah, I won't be back in my clean It's interesting sheet. because like, uh, I know we're coming to the end of the pod, but I don't like want to harp on too much about it. But when managers are like on the block or really coming towards the end of their time there, there's often something that is like, there's almost like a hatred towards that certain manager. You look at Bruce at Newcastle, um, look at Mourinho at the end of Man United. And I, I don't know if it's just naivety, but I don't sense the fact that there's like a real hatred towards Solskjaer. It's just like Man United fans are almost like, we need him to go while there's still some element of dignity that if he did go, we can then still class him as a club legend rather than drags us so far into the mud that you then feel that element of like hatred towards a manager. Um, but I don't, I don't know. See what happens. I personally don't think he's going at all. I think the Glazers are in a decent position. Um, they've got all the money coming in the world. They're selling, you know, half a million Ronaldo shirts a week. Um, they, they've got the pressure coming off them because Ole's in the way. I don't think there's any real need, real need for them in their position to make a change. Um, unless you get the scenes that you had outside the club earlier this year, um, then that might be the only thing that, that changes that, but who knows. I come to that at one point, especially if he doesn't go between now and the international break. And I think, I've said that there's not hatred for Oli as a person, there's hatred for Oli as a manager, because he's not up to the ability to manage Man United, as it's clear to see, and I think everyone knows from his credentials anyway. So... Yeah, people want to be respectful to Ollie, but then they don't want him to be a manager at the same time. So uh, I think a lot of people yeah. say if you if you valued your club, you would realise it yourself and resign. But obviously, with compensation and stuff that goes on now, he's not going to throw away like five, ten million, whatever he would lose from that contract. So people are slightly annoyed at that at this point because he's losing some respect by keeping the job. But then we're not trying to disrespect him by saying we don't want him in the job at the same time. It's a difficult situation when it's called legend, but it, it obviously it echoes of um of Lampard at Chelsea and his mm. his end of his time there. But it just seems to have lasted that little bit longer that it is just going that little bit more um aggressive. But I think in both situations, neither manager really has the credentials to be where they're at and they've got there because of their connections. Um in, in both situations they both have have 
managed and had some experience, but no way near enough to be at the level that, of club that they're at. Um, and I, I don't think it, you could ask anyone to, or, or it would be, um, I don't think I don't think anyone in that situation would step down themselves voluntarily, and it, uh, that ultimately uh, that therefore means I think they should the, the the anger should be directed higher. It shouldn't be directed at the manager because ultimately it's not his fault that he's just not, actually not good enough and he's got into the position that he's in. Um, obviously the, the tactics and whatever, and, and that's that's fine, but he, he's been put into a position where he shouldn't really be based on the qualifications that he has and, and the experience that he has. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't, I think the, the difference between the two is basically Chelsea have that culture of if, if the manager's not good enough, we'll get rid of him and we'll move on to someone else that we could, we can build something with. And clearly that's not happening for United for the reasons that you mentioned, Will, about the money side of it. And, and as long as there's a certain level achieved, then that's fine. Um, and that's what we're seeing, the difference between the two, I think. Yeah. Discussing that with someone earlier in the week about the Lampard being exactly the same situation. I think it's the only time I've ever been jealous of how Chelsea manage it with their manager kind of always getting rid of them and like the short-term success. I think this is probably the only time I've ever been jealous of that because they would obviously they're sympathetic to how Lampard was in that situation, but they didn't hang about. They might have dragged out a little bit longer, but it would have never dragged out as it has with Ole. And off the back of it, gone and won in Champions League. So yeah. it shows how that works. It's not from a football lover's or like a purist perspective. It's not what you want, but it works and it's effective. And, and Chelsea have shown that model. So yeah, it, it it feels like that should be the route that they go down, but they're not prepared to do it because of the security. And and I know that a lot from Arsenal as well of of how long we stuck with consistent top four finishes because that was all the that's all the owners want and they know that it will get them a certain amount of money and it regardless of other things going on it doesn't matter as long as we achieve that so um yeah interesting <laughs> yeah i definitely think like you can say that only protects the glazers but if this goes on for longer then it just makes the owners look even more stupid that they can't realize what needs to happen in the time being because Obviously, we've got frustration with Ollie, but he's not the main problem. They are both issues. If in an ideal world, the Glazers would leave first, like we'd, we'd deal with Ollie at that point because we've got rid of the biggest problem in the football club. But yeah, but moment, I, I don't, I don't think that's. It's not. It's not going to happen. I don't think yeah. that's right. I don't think that's right. I think so many people are so focused on Solskjaer. Yeah, and you know, I understand there'll be a lot of. You know, very well in the no Man United fans out there, but the Solskjaer like narrative that's driven by the media ultimately so hard at the minute and supported by what is some dire results on the pitch is ultimately the only reason, the only way that any pressure is coming off that club at the minute is if Solskjaer somehow is not manager of that club. Um, and I can't see, like Charlie's saying, He's ultimately in a position now where he's going to be advised, you know, don't resign no matter what you do because you lose out on five million quid or whatever it is because of uh, Ferdinand's impassioned speech about letting him write whatever he wants on the contract. Um, but you know, it's it, it's just it's been, and you know, this isn't a dig, Charlie. So I'm sorry if it comes across like this, but it stinks of like the public mockery around like Arsenal fan TV and this kind of stuff. It's like Man United are the biggest club in world football. They've got like a reputation to uphold, and like they they are normally a class act. 
but like this is getting messy now and United have got to just do something to stop it from becoming like you know you've got Liverpool fans singing ollies at the wheel at Old Trafford 5-0 up forget forget the result Liverpool could have won 1-0 and the result and the cries still would have been maybe not the same intensity but the same people would have been calling for Solskjaer to go so you know I think you've got to keep things into perspective that, that you just got to try and do whatever you can to avoid this getting into Arsenal fan TV mode, um, and then you know, I don't know. I don't really know what the what the answer is overnight. I don't know if there's too many managers out there that are a decent enough fit to come in and take over the job now. Like I don't know, Will, you're pretty keen to want him out. Like who would you want in now? Yeah, that that is one of the big issues. Obviously, there's a few managers that are probably aren't a perfect fit that are available right now because the three main managers that have been mentioned are Conte, obviously we know him formerly from Inter and Chelsea, got Zidane, obviously we'll know of him and then I think it's, I um, can't remember his name, is the IX manager currently. Ten Hag. Ten Hag, Ten Hag yeah. yeah. So they're the three that are in, that's the ones that have been mentioned as the three main targets and there's issues around all of them actually being the main United manager. It's kind of, they're at the point where they're like, do they want someone who's an established manager who can give us quick success or do they want to invest in someone for the long term, which they've tried to do with Oli, but he's obviously not up to that standard to be able to do that. So I think that is what's also delaying it because they don't know what direction they want to take the club because I would argue the squad that Man United have at this point in time, if they had the right manager, they could win things. But Oli does. Oli and I'm not just taking a dig at Oli here. His coaching staff aren't up to it either. Like the, the the one main reason I would say Conte is a good manager to get in is because he would sort the defense out straight away. He would build from the back with the defense, and you saw from the performance of the weekend, the defense was absolutely shambolic. I would argue that Ollie's gave players the chance to shine, like a Greenwood, a Rashford. He's always backed them to shine. I wouldn't necessarily said he has improved a lot of our players because they haven't been well coached. I feel we need a proper coach who can teach them behind the scenes to improve as a unit, as a team, and take certain players onto that next level. But there's issues with all of those managers and I think that's not helping at the same time I think if the Ajax manager was freely available and they didn't have to pay that compensation they would be very tempted to get him straight in because he fits kind of how they would want to build with someone long term that's always seems to be what they would say like the Glazers would say oh we want to build for the long term we don't want to bring someone in for two or three years but really they don't know what they want so it's very mixed a few options. I think just, just, just my final point on on that aspect of it is, I feel like they have to come to a decision quickly because the amount of money that's been spent on that squad now, and particularly on some of those young, the, some of the young talent that's in that team, the likes of Greenwood, Sancho, Rashford, it it feels like you need someone that's going to make those players work well and and help improve them the way that we've seen like Klopp improve Liverpool's players. We've seen Guardiola improve Man City's players because, yeah, because they they spent so much money on that team now and those assets need to perform or be coached to be able to work as a team. So the longer it 
stays like it is now, it feels like those assets just decline and decline and decline. Um, so yeah, it, I, I think there does need to be some kind of cohesive plan that in place, otherwise those are just going to be completely wasted as talents and as assets within the club. So it, it yeah, I think they need to, it, it's, it's, crazy how they are just letting it go on but they need to come up with a plan quick but not just a plan that's gonna you know uh, achieve stability but something that actually has some long-term effect based on some of those star players that are in the team that are you know international you know world World cup winner players and that kind of thing it just yeah they, they need to make those decisions quicker because just leaving it whilst it is like now it just it it can't get better just leaving it like like now. Yeah, it's embarrassing, isn't it? And just reflects badly on the club and just makes the owners look even more foolish. Like Sam said, they'll get a bit of respite if they sack them because that's what the majority want to happen. So it will relieve a bit of pressure on them, but there's still the issue. We understand that's not going to go away, but that's one hopefully for the future. Yeah, I think enough of that chat for now. <laughs> we just digressed on there. <laughs> Was there anything else you want to talk about with the fixtures to come in game week 10? I think we've covered most of the Saturday ones. Anything we want to mention about the Sunday or Monday fixtures at all from either of you? Only thing I want to add is Rhys James has just scored the winning penalty for Chelsea in the penalty shootout to put Chelsea through. So I'm hoping that gives too cool confidence to start him at the weekend. <laughs> Good old penalty shootouts. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I was going to say that Chilwell did score in that as well. Oh, your your main yeah, mount forget missed. that part. <laughs> you know, mount the penalty expert missed another penalty in the shootout. It's yeah, he didn't look particularly confident when he stepped up at the weekend. To be fair, but yeah, anything else you wanted to mention, Sam? No, I don't think so. I've got a, a question for you both. So for game week ten, I'm going to take Salah out here in your team. Who do you think the top scoring player is going to be for game week 10 outside of Salah? Good question. We go to Charlie first. Um, it, it might be a bit of a, a cop out to say Trent because I'm still <laughs> going on the same theme and he might contribute to Salah's returns. Um, so I think probably Trent, but if I had to choose another answer just to be a bit more. Um, up front, maybe Rafinha if he starts because it's Norwich, like we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Or my third choice would probably be Cancelo. Doing your top three, yeah. I feel like I'll yeah, have I Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Trent, Trent would be my actual answer, but if, if we feel that's too much of a cop-out, let's say Cancelo. Okay, I'm going to have to start building this into your, your um, quiz performances because it's the only way I can separate you. Um, <laughs> who would you be saying, Sam, from your team? Uh, Antonio for me. Yeah, Antonio. Not a bad shout. No, I won't complain if he does that does well. And I'm going to have to say this player because I'm not going to captain him this week, but I did mistakenly captain him. That Havertz is going to come good. <laughs> Typically when I don't captain him. You, you, can no just, you can just see a scenario, can't you, where... He gets rested. Wait, no. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the ultimate bad thing. He gets rested and ZH starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that as well. But, well, it's obviously wouldn't be a bad thing, but I could see it's all Captain in Salah, he blanks, and then Havertz. I gets can't his see that goals. happening. 
Yeah, but it, it typical it. after my look over the last week. Yeah, so. just Captain Salah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm going to change Captain from Salah, but it's been typical following on from yeah. the last week with what's happened. Yeah. But yeah, I think that sums up everything for this week. We're a bit extended into some of the chat there on the end, even though we said we'll avoid it, but it gets this one out of the way. It gets rid of the five 0 fresh in, but Spurs might beat us another four 0 or something, and gets rid of that terrible FL week, but. We can all go onwards and up for, upwards from here and follow Sam and Charlie's example of how to get a good score <laughs> as, as I'll be trying to come back at you both for the rest of the season. But yeah, that's us all done for this week, guys. I appreciate Sam and Charlie for coming on again and we will see you next week, which will it's actually just a standard game week, so we will just be back next midweek. So we'll see you all next time.